I get pulled over in the exact same <laughs> spot by the exact same cop. Comes up to my window, looks at me, immediately recognizes me and says, didn't I just pull you over? And I was so proud, I said, yes, but you told me to slow down and I did. Last time I was 15 over and now I'm only 10. <laughs> Hi everyone, quick story. So I went to the gas station today to fuel my boat and buy some ice for an evening ride with my kids. I set my wallet on the bow of my boat while I filled the cooler full of ice and then drove off. I did not notice that my wallet was gone until I got to the launch and I panicked. I started sending posts out through the neighborhood Facebook page to keep an eye out for my wallet, but unbeknownst to me, a neighbor, someone else in our community had already found it saw my address in the wallet, and set it on my doorstep. Thank you for the amazing people here in our small town. My husband grew up here, and these are the reasons that I want my kids to grow up here too. Hi everyone, I'm Chriselle Fulmer. And I'm Natalia Bonner. Welcome to the Unalike Podcast. We're so excited that you're here and joining us for episode five. We've got a great show lined up today. We're going to be talking about the magic voice. Who has it, mom or dad? And we're also going to be talking with you about the good things that have happened in 2020. Hard to believe right? that there really may be some. <laughs> and finally, the struggle with social anxiety and self-esteem. We have a beauty pageant winner, Mrs. Utah American Rochelle Moore, is here to talk with us about the struggle she had to overcome in order to step foot on the stage. So... I am super excited to be here today, and I have a few follow-up questions to ask you. Okay. So last week we talked about your driving. I'm still yes. Yes. I'm still on your driving. Okay. How many tickets have you had? <laughs> this is like a theme now. <laughs> how many tickets? Not I'm, very many. Really? Yeah. I can give you tips on how to... How to get out get of these. Get out. Yeah. Let's just not go there. I have a funny story. Okay. One night while I was working, I have a lot of TV stories. So working in TV, but would get off after the 10 o'clock news. I've mentioned I had to drive almost an hour to get home. And so I would leave the TV station around 1035, about 1045 at night. Okay. Make the 45 minute drive home. So one year I had to work on December 30th. Okay. And I worked the evening news, left, did my drive home. I got pulled over about 10 minutes away from my house the cop asked me how fast I was going or informed me. I was <laughs> over the speed limit, roughly 15 miles over the speed limit. And so he told me I need to slow down. He did let me go, and I really thanked him. The next night was uh, New Year's Eve, and so I did not work that night. But January 1st, I was working again, <laughs> and I knew because I had just got pulled over. I, I decided my new thing was going to be for this daily commute to set my – um, like your cruise I control, the word cruise control. Sorry, widow brain. So I'm going to set my cruise control at exactly 10 over. I, I just had it in my head. If you're 10 over, you're going to be okay in this part of the neighborhood, um, that they don't pull you over if you're only 10 over. So I set my cruise and I was going 10 over. I get pulled over in the exact same <laughs> spot by the exact same cop. He wow. comes up to my window, looks at me, immediately recognizes me, and says, 
didn't I just pull you over? And I was so proud. I said, yes, but you told me to slow down. And I did. Last time I was 15 over and now I'm only 10. <laughs> and did you get a ticket? And he let me go. Wow. You are the most lucky human I think I've ever so, met. Uh I don't know. I don't. I, I do drive a lot. I commute right now. Today, my day job, I commute upwards of 40 miles one way. And I just spend it. I think it comes with where I live. I live in a very remote area. I have to drive to get anything. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, I think it comes with being on the road a lot. I will say that for the five years I lived in Milwaukee, my commute was 10 minutes. The entire time I lived in that state, I got pulled over two times. Oh, so maybe you need to just start working from home. Maybe that would be If your... I could work from home, I would, of course, never get pulled over. <laughs> Maybe that's why I never do. Can I tell one more? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm driving my husband's truck, and I get pulled over, and the cop comes up to the door and says, do you know how fast you were going? And I, so I'm one of those people. I think there's a lot of you out there. I would appreciate your support if you would like or comment below. I suspect there's a lot of people out there who... Uh, travel at the 10 over range. So if you're one of them, give me a, a shout out or a thumbs up because I think that that's a little bit normal on the freeway. I could be wrong. So I, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm going at my speed. I get pulled over in his truck and the cop comes up to the window and says, well, first of all, I, I think that he probably didn't suspect a woman to be in this truck that has a lift and it is big and, you know, mm -hmm. so I think it caught him off guard. He, he kind of did a double take and, and I said, hi. <laughs> and he says, you know how fast you were going? I, and I, so you smile. That's the first thing, smile and say, I'm sorry. And, um, <laughs> he, and I always say, you're sorry. I could tell another story about the one and only time I ever got pulled over when I cried. And it did not work. Totally got busted. And he wrote me up. So do not cry. Tip number one. Tip number two, smile. And um, I think be a real person. Try Don't try to, don't be a jerk. And don't try to be cocky. Don't try to act smarter than them. But um, but also be real. And in this case, I just said, I, I'm sorry. I know I, don't, I, I know I was going a little fast. Well, anyway, he starts talking about how when you lift, when you put a lift on a truck, that the tire size may affect your speedometer. Oh. So he starts telling me that we need to get that checked out oh. because my speed probably isn't matching how fast I was really going. And I thanked him very much, and he sent me on my way. Wow. So. Well, okay, so one more <laughs> follow-up. Okay. We had talked last week that people – have been wondering how long we've known each other, different things like that. Yeah. And I just have to say that I've been to several of your weddings. <laughs> All of them. All, yeah. And I'm pretty Most. sure that you've been pulled over on all of your <gasps> wedding days. Is this, am I right? Yes. So married three times, I have been pulled over on every single wedding day. It's the best. <laughs> So first wedding, I was on my way to to the place where we were going to be getting married and I was driving by myself. I mentioned my Honda Civic, still driving the Honda Civic and had my hair all done up, dress laying across the back seat. I was just in a hurry to get there because she was late. 45 minute commute. And I did get 
pulled over. <laughs> he saw my hair, obviously figured out what was going on and let me go. Okay. Fast forward many years later, uh, second marriage. And this, this was a marriage that was celebrated and exciting. And I had friends fly in from Wisconsin mm-hmm. and living back here in Utah. So on the morning of the wedding, we realized there were a couple of last minute things we had forgotten or still needed to do. And so we ran down to the valley because we're up in the mountains. We run down to the valley and we got all of our errands done. We were on our way back. We're driving their rental car, which is bright red. <laughs> and they asked me to drive because I know the area better. So it's a car full of women and we get pulled over. And my lady friends in the car are laughing so hard. They think this is the best ever that on the day of Chrishell's wedding, she's getting pulled over. Well, we, you know, like I take a picture through the rear view mirror and I, so it's the cop car, the flashing lights. I immediately text it to my almost husband and he has my kids at the house. He immediately replies with a picture of a local sheriff deputy standing out in the driveway. <laughs> Says, it must be a thing for the girls because your daughters just got busted too. <laughs> they were, uh, they had been riding their bikes out on the road and got too close to the highway. Okay. Not a freeway, but a, a busy intersection. Somebody reported them and the cop came looking for them. And stopped at the house and says, do you know if there's any little girls? Oh, he couldn't run fast enough to find my girls and tell them a cop was outside waiting. (laughs) Marriage number three, I just really felt like there's no way, you know, like lightning doesn't strike twice, let alone three times in the same spot. So marriage number three, I had a pretty good feeling it's not going to happen again. But it had, my family was certainly all asking about it. Mm Mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm going to get ahead of this one. I have a lot of friends who work for the local sheriff's office. My new husband had lined up a day at the salon. We were going, all of us, the girls, the boys, we were going to go in and get our nails done, get our hair done. And so I called ahead and he planted an officer for me. That's awesome. The whole way to the salon, I'm texting the cop and letting him know our phone number or what vehicle we're in, what our plate number is, giving him like a minute by minute. I'm, I'm We're here now. We're here. We pass the certain intersection and all of a sudden <laughs> the cop comes out. <laughs> so this is Dustin. And he's like running his mouth. We have every single kid in the car. They had all come up and stayed at the house. So between us, we have, we say... Uh, seven kids because Haley and Josh are married. So we have everyone in the car and they all witness. Hold on. We didn't have all seven because we only have uh, eight seats in the car. I think we had the three younger ones. And so we had five kids in the car and they're all watching Dustin. He's telling me he, his claim is he never gets pulled over. And it's been something like you, like 20 years since I've been pulled over. And so I one so upped him. You've been pulled over on we did all get of your pulled weddings. Over. <laughs> It's awesome. All right. So moving on, I think we should talk a little bit about places we've lived. You've definitely lived in cities Mm -hmm. and you've definitely Mm -hmm. lived in super small towns Mm -hmm. where you struggle to maybe even get Wi-Fi service because it's true. It's very rural. It's true. So I would love to know, would you rather 
Where would you rather live? Well, this poses a good question because we think that we live in a very beautiful area. It's a mm -hmm. mountain community, but it is a very small rural town. And But I've lived in the major city that has everything. And, and not just Milwaukee. I talk about Milwaukee a lot, but I've also lived in Salt Lake City proper and as well as in some of the suburbs of Salt Lake. Moved around a couple times. And so having lived in those places, I, I posed the question to Dustin, but I, yeah, for us to talk about mm -hmm. as well, would you rather live in a place that is beautiful, but has very few amenities? Okay. Or would you rather live somewhere not as pretty, major city, but it has everything? This is a really good question. You actually asked this to me a few days ago. So I've been thinking about it. Like, where would I really rather live? And it, my first reaction was, I want to live somewhere that has everything. I don't mm -hmm. care what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But then I took a step back and thought, wait, the way that our lives are now with the internet and, okay, so I probably need to at least have internet to be able to continue to work and different things like that. But with shipping and all of that, it's kind of like you can just live wherever you want yeah. and you can find the most, whatever is the most beautiful place to you, whether it's a beach or the mountains or wherever you don't it's kind of cool that our society has shifted to this point where we really can live wherever, wherever we want yeah and really in cool. 2020 in particular so many of us have started to work from home mm -hmm. so that does afford us the ability to essentially live wherever we want to yeah it's a really freeing kind of thing that I haven't moved I haven't gone anywhere <laughs> but but I will say coming from Milwaukee I I mentioned the, the 10 minute commute that I had there. And mm -hmm. that was amazing. Everything in my life was within a 10 minute circle, whether it was taking my kids to a doctor appointment, taking them to school, going to my job, going to my husband's work, going to a Brewers baseball game. Everything was within 10 minutes. We could go to a Bucks basketball game on a weeknight, on a school night mm -hmm. and be home in 10 minutes. And yes. I loved it. And I don't think I realized how much I loved it until I left and came back to the mountains, and now it's 45 minutes to get anywhere. And that's not bad if that's your thing. And it's not bad. It, so this is this is what it is, because I'm cool with it now. But it probably took a solid year mm -hmm. for me to be back in the mountains and wrap my head around if I really want to go out to a sit-down restaurant besides the two here in town. I'm going to have to drive 40 minutes to get there. And mentally, if you're prepared, if you just know that this is how we live, you don't know any different. And that's how I was raised growing mm -hmm. up in a area up in the mountains. We didn't have anything. We did not have Wendy's. Listen to me. We did not have <laughs> Wendy's. We did not have Burger King. We did not have Arby's. We did not have, well, all of the new ones. There so, wasn't even a McDonald's. No. Well, McDonald's came when I was in sixth grade. So for real, when I was 12 years old, and when you don't know any different, you don't know what you're missing out on. But I think that's, I grew up, I went to college, I moved into major cities and have lived that way for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the mountains has been an adjustment. Yeah. So I definitely have to, even though we're so unalike, I definitely have to agree because I have also lived in small towns and now I live you know, medium-ish town. You live in but a good size. I have a decent-sized town now. You at but least have 
a local some swimming pools. Yeah, we have local swimming pools. One thing for me that I've definitely found right now at this point in life, having my kids involved in so many activities, I definitely want to live in a town where I don't have to, even though we do drive a lot, it's nice to have all those opportunities. So right now, we're going to stay living in a town. <laughs> That's a hard one, is finding opportunities for your kids to be involved in activities. Yeah. And, and you know, where we live, there's a lot of farming opportunities mm-hmm. and ag opportunities for kids. Yeah. And, and the kids love it and they thrive on it. And one of my favorite things is going to the county fair and seeing mm-hmm. all of the kids who have raised a sheep or a cow for the past year and they're now showing it in the junior livestock cell it's extremely rewarding to see those kids work hard and take care of an animal and learn some of those life skills that come with taking care of something and then to watch it be sold into the community yeah absolutely and those kids i know i have several nieces and nephews that have done that Mm -hmm. and they've paid for their college doing that just by raising by raising animals so it's a pretty cool you know there are definitely advantages growing up in those smaller type communities and opportunities. There are definitely opportunities in both. When I moved to Milwaukee, the biggest thing that I kept thinking about was moving away from the mountains and thinking, how am I going to know which way is north and which way is south? And I know that for everyone who's grown up on the Wasatch Front in Utah, I ran into this a lot with people in Colorado living along the Front Range. You just look to the mountains and you immediately know north, south, east, west. Mm -hmm. So then I go to the Great Lakes region and everyone says to me, oh, just look for the lake. How can you see the lake? There's so many trees that you don't know what direction it is. And I only got lost one time. I ended up in downtown Milwaukee where there are skyscrapers. And I had a moment of being completely turned around. Mm-hmm. I was just looking up like this. And I didn't know how to get out because I didn't know which way was what. And I couldn't see the lake. So everyone says, look for the lake. You can't see the lake out there <laughs> unless you're on it. So uh, the mountains come with some advantages and not just their beauty, but also they help you to know where they are. That's definitely true. Yeah. All right. So I say, let's move on to, so what's the good news? What is the good news? I found a few interesting things. Again, 2020 is a weird year and I'm trying to find as much positivity in it as I can. So I came across this just list of a whole bunch of positive things that have happened this year, and it was published in USA Today. So I'm just going to read a few of those. Totally lighthearted. A 103-year-old grandma beat COVID, and she celebrated it. Yeah. Not only is she 103, she beat it, and she celebrated by drinking a Bud Light. (laughs) How awesome (laughs) is she? (laughs) All right. So another one. I suppose that if I beat COVID at that age... Why not? Do that too. (laughs) So another one. There was this golf tournament on TV. Going, we like to watch sports. And Tom Brady played against a few other athletes, and he bent over and his pants split open (laughs) on TV. So that was pretty funny. And one other fun thing that I really think is awesome about 2020 is that board games have actually made a comeback. And personally, Mm. I love the game of chess. It's something that I. I'm really good at, actually. I'm good at strategizing. So my eight-year-old and I have been playing a lot of chess, and I love it. And wow. I love that games are making a comeback. So I had heard that about puzzles. Mm-hmm. 
So, in fact, I watched a, a local news story about someone who manufactures puzzles and said he could not keep up with the demand. That's awesome. So, I love just that part. If we can look for those positive things, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's good to go back to the basics and just play a board game or Yeah, or whatever. Twister. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I want to talk to you about the magic voice. All right. What's the magic voice? So the magic voice, every family has one. Um, if there's a, a two adults in the household, one of you has the magic voice. But is it mom? Is it dad? Is it somebody else? Okay. The magic voice is the voice that comes out that makes the kids finally do what they've been asked to do for the last half hour. So mm. one parent can say it over and over and over. And the kids don't hear a thing that parent says. And then the other parent comes in the room and uses the magic voice. And the kids scatter so quickly that you could blink and wouldn't know what direction they went. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Do you know sure what voice that... I'm talking about? Yeah. And my I have some children in my house <laughs> that would definitely say that I'm probably the magic voice. But I know when they don't listen to me. My husband has the magic voice. So I actually really? think in our house it goes both ways. But about the magic voice, my kids always tell me that I have the magic phone voice. Oh. Do you have that? I don't know that. Okay. Well, the magic phone voice is the voice when somebody calls like a school teacher or something. And it's who their mom has to turn into to talk to the school teacher. <laughs> So at your house, is there a magic voice and is there a magic phone voice? Oh, totally. And not just me, but Dustin too. I, we share an office working from home and it always makes me laugh how either, it doesn't matter, either one of us can go on to a work call and it's business as usual. And then the meeting ends. Did you get that done? Did you hear what I was saying? Did you, did you, did, and yeah. Yeah. That's... My kids haven't called us out on that I think but with each other we've totally talked about it <laughs> so we really all have a magic voice yeah everyone maybe we aren't on a magic alike. voice but magic because when it comes to the kids so is one of you the it magic makes them disappear voice? is are you the magic oh voice? absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah at least one of us has it yep all right so another fun topic uh talking a lot about stores that are no longer around and kind of kind of just a throwback to our childhood, I was wondering if you can think of any stores that no longer exist, and what do you miss about them? So I would definitely call this kind of a say what, so what kind of thing, like mm -hmm. that our kids would be like, say what, when we talk about stores. Yeah. So the first store that comes to my mind is Sprouse. I don't know if you even remember Sprouse. Wow. We talk about Sprouse a lot in my home because... There was an incident where one of my brother-in-laws as a child stole something from there and had to go back and clean the <laughs> store. So we always talk about Sprouse, but that's one store that yeah, I wow. definitely have not seen in a long time. Yeah. I know that within our town, there were a lot of stores. So just the mom and pops that no longer exist. There was, so I'll just throw out some of these names. There was a lumber store called Coast to Coast. Yes. So that store, actually, I do have to, I have to correct you here because Coast to Coast owners, it just upgraded to a new, they, they, it's still yeah. the same, 
the name just went a away. little different. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it was like a lumber type store. Yeah, called Coast. There to Coast. was a Safeway that, and I know that's more of a chain, a Safeway uh, grocery store. Mm-hmm. But Safeway left town, and I think I'm pretty sure when I moved to Cheyenne, there was a brand new Safeway that opened, but definitely had moved out of our area. Mm-hmm. I remember a hardware store called Ernst. Yes, I do remember that one also. Mm-hmm. Very. And then uh, Fred Meyer. Another one would be IGA. Yes. Was like It was the nice grocery store in our town. There were two grocery stores, and IGA was the brand new nice one. Mm-hmm. But then it got bought out. Yep. So it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So what about something, we love music in our home, and so... We still buy CDs because my husband has this nostalgia around supporting the artist and buying the actual CD. And we will go to the store and or if we can find it online and buy it. And he and I go on a drive. I've talked before about our drives and we listen to the whole entire CD. Wow. Yeah, we know we could download it. But For 99 some, cents. Yeah. But there's some nostalgia <laughs> around me reading the lyrics out of it and everything. It's just something that we do. But when we do this, our kids look Hold at on. us. Do you still have a CD player in your car? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably have when to have one installed. When you buy a installed. new car, you'll have to upgrade to a to a downgrade. <laughs> yeah, I will. Because we need this. <laughs> but our kids think that we are nuts because... They kind of don't even know what a CD is. They kind of think it's just an Xbox game, but now they don't even buy those. They just download them. So do you have, have you noticed the same thing with your kids? Like, are there yes. things that they don't even it know It makes of? me sad because that's a sign that I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> but there have been several things recently. I used to always think that about my mom and dad. Like, you listen to an eight track? Wow, that's really old. Um, sorry to everyone who used to use eight tracks, but they didn't exist in my time. So, uh, no, my kids have started coming to me. So I'm going to give you a list of a couple of these things because to me, they're completely normal. And for my kids to look and to see one of these things and not know what it is, it's completely mind blowing. Okay. So (laughs) a handheld can opener. So we don't, Use an electric one. We only use handheld. So my kids don't know any different. It's weird because before, when my kids were younger, we were the same. Mm -hmm. I've only been using an electric can opener for maybe the past four years. Mm -hmm. But for the past four years, that's all they've seen and know. And so just the other day, we had some company over and they were asking for a can opener. They went to the drawer and pulled out that one and started cranking it. And my daughter's face, (laughs) eyeballs this big. What is that? And I just thought, it's in our drawer. How do you not know what it is? That's awesome. And it's super interesting, though, because I've even noticed that most cans nowadays don't even require a can opener. They're now all having that little pop pop top. So our kids aren't even going to probably know what a can opener is or are the future generations. So weird. So I had another one, a... Just a regular tape player. I had a portable one that, so it's about this size. Uh, for those who are listening, I'm, I'm showing like 10 inches long and maybe five inches wide. And the whole top half is the speaker. And then you hit eject at the bottom to make the <laughs> cassette player pop up. And so you slide the tape in and then you push from the top down to, to get it into place. 
uh, I brought one of those home from work. I needed to borrow it to... I found a really cool tape. I had interviewed my great grandpa when I was in middle school. So this thing is 30 years old, this tape. And my grandpa has passed away, my great grandpa, but I wanted to hear that interview. So anyway, I brought the tape player home and popped the tape in and the girls looked at that. I made them guess what it is. And they did, they don't even know like how to describe it. And I don't remember now all the things they were guessing, but it was hilarious. Uh, you know, answering machines is another mm-hmm. thing that's completely yeah. foreign to them. So another one that just happened recently was not a cassette tape, but a VHS. Mm-hmm. We stopped over to a friend's house. The girls are running through the house. They're kind of on a tour and they come across a VCR which I think is completely normal. I feel like I still have some VHS tapes in a Mm -hmm. box in the storage room. (laughs) So the girls get in the car with me after we're on our way home and they they say, mom, Megan had this thing. She said it plays movies, but it's like it has this big tape that comes out of it. And she was saying, don't touch the tape or the movie won't work. That was the only thing. That was how they described it. So you know, something that is a movie and it has a big, so I'm like, oh, you were describing a VHS. They thought it was the most bizarre thing they had ever seen. So speaking of those, one of my favorite things from like the 90s from that era was Be Kind Rewind. And speaking of that, (laughs) this is us like trying to make our kids live in our childhood, but we actually had until just recently an actual video store in our town. Mm. And it It was just like the 90s. I don't think anything had changed since the 90s. But we, until just about a year ago, would take our kids to the actual video store to pick out a movie just so they could have that experience. A VHS? No, they would be like a DVD. Oh, DVD. Yeah. And you'd rent them and it was like a dollar, you know. But it was just this fun kind of, again, nostalgia that taking our kids to the actual video store to get a movie. And we would let them like... Like when I was a kid, you'd get popcorn, and it was just something fun about it. So Well, you can do that at Redbox. <laughs> but you can't go in the store. There was something about being able to go in after, that store. After my second husband passed away, I we've talked about the widow brain. So I'm all by myself living with my two girls. And it, literally, like I was lucky to get dressed each day and do my hair. And I, I got the girls on the bus each day, but... Um, I didn't know how to work any of the technology in the house. I ju- and part of it was just this lapse of memory. And part of it was like, we got to turn the sound on plus the TV plus the video player. And it felt very overwhelming to me. And so no way were we going to be able to stream anything because that was way over my head. However, <laughs> if we went to Redbox, I could rent a DVD and I knew how to work that machine. So for a good maybe half year. We made regular trips to Redbox so that we could rent a DVD. Hey, whatever it takes. And if all we're doing is making memories, then who cares? Yeah. It's fun. And our kids really will probably remember when we went to that red machine and got (laughs) movies. And and that at one point in life was a movie. It was a movie thing. (laughs) 
All right, it is time to talk to today's unalike hero. She has struggled with self-esteem, social anxiety, and it's hard to believe when you see her, she is beautiful, she is confident, and she is Mrs. Utah American. We are so pleased and honored to introduce to you Mrs. Rochelle Moore. We had a chance to catch up with her, and here's a look at our conversation. Well, we're very honored today to be with the one, the only Mrs. Utah American 2020, Rochelle Moore. Rochelle, how are you? I'm good. How are you? We're good. Yeah, really good. good. Have you guys been holding up during the COVID pandemic? It's been interesting. It's been really interesting. I think all of us can say that we're all just flying by the seat of our pants at this point. <laughs> you wake up not knowing what to expect, but... You know, we just had to learn to relax and make the best out of everything. So, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Your family was definitely impacted by this in the beginning, and you, you, I know that you have been fortunate to stay home with your kids, but all of a sudden having them home full time was still game changer for you. Major, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have five kids. And so I went from having all of them in school, at least even part of the day with my youngest in preschool, to all five back home. And it, I got too used to having a little bit of a break. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about the kids and your, the situation. You've, you've got a, a fun surprise in the middle of your family. Yeah, so I have five, like I said. Um, my oldest is 11. Then I have a son. So I have four girls, one boy. Then my second is a son. Then I have identical twin girls who are six. Oh. My husband is actually a twin, so it runs in the family, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have our youngest, another girl, and she is four. So all five born in seven years. Yeah. So yeah. hands full. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I had two in that many years. <laughs> <laughs> My house is very loud. So yeah, having them all home, it was it was loud, busy, keeping up on everything was definitely a change in pace of what I would, had been used to. So... So it was during this past year with all of the kids going into school that you were back after after 11 years of having kids at home, you got to have a little bit of time back to yourself. Yes. And you decided to embark on a journey and we see the crown there. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Mrs. Utah experience. Okay, well, like you said, I was a stay-at-home mom for 11 years, and a friend brought this pageant up to me, so I looked into it. I had known past title holders, but I didn't know a lot about the process, the pageant itself. I've never done a pageant before, so being 33 and a mom for 11 years, I was way out of my comfort zone with it. Um, what makes the Mrs. Utah for America pageant a little different is there is no talent portion in this pageant. Um, the majority of women who do it are older, married mothers. Um, it is mainly based on your platform and the interview process. So I hunkered down and think about something I was really passionate about that I wanted to bring awareness from. And I had not been interviewed in over 13 years. So I really needed to freshen up my interviewing skills and get back to um, that part of my life back when I could do that and just to get the dust off and just do something for me for once in 11 years. And while I've loved being a stay at home mom and I wouldn't change anything about it, I knew it was time to do something for me. And I have no regrets at all. It was an incredible process and an incredible growing process, um, with doing it as well. Got to know myself again and some amazing women along the way also. So you made it to um, from having never done a pageant yes. to earning a crown. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, that doesn't come with just waking up in the morning and saying, I think I'm going to do this. Yeah. No. <laughs> a lot of prep. So what kinds of things did you have to go through to get ready for this? Yes. Yeah, so when I actually read the acceptance letter that I got and realized all the things I needed to accomplish and all the requirements, I went to my husband and I said, I have bit off way more than I can chew here. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> With never done this before, I was just like, what have I got myself into? But I thought, you know what? Let's just see what happens. Let's just do it. I had this seed implanted inside me to go for it. And I just needed to cling on to that, to that desire. So with a lot of help from amazing friends that I had who were willing to do mock interviews for me, who were willing to connect me with other women who had done this pageant also and their willingness to help me through a lot of service work. Um, my husband's help, my husband's an incredible, he's incredible when it comes to filling out paperwork and being my biggest cheerleader. He was my biggest support system. And it's really, it really, you know, um, restores your faith in a lot of people when you do something like this, because the amount of support I got was so overwhelming. And I was so grateful that so many people donated their time and effort to me to accomplish this. It's definitely something I did not do on my own at all. And I knew I would need a village behind me to do this. And I definitely had that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And you're, you're blessed to have a great support network and, and, and it got you to first runner up. Now this year, first runner up comes with the title of Mrs. Utah American. Yes. And this is a new part of the pageant process, a new, new part to the pageant community. So tell us about the title. Yes. Yeah, so I'm actually the very first Mrs. Utah American. And they, like you said, they started this year. And the reason why they did that is they're slowly incorporating um, different categories into this pageant um, program. So instead of there just, there just being a Miss Utah for America and a Mrs. Utah for America. So all three of us, us winners who all received a crown, you will go on to Las Vegas later this year, hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll see, have to see what, what happens in the next month or two. And we compete in three different categories, three different divisions. So we do not compete against each other. We will be there at the same time and in the same facility, the same hotel, but we have our different um, categories that we do. And then whoever wins in that will then go on to Sri Lanka to compete in Mrs. World uh, early next year. So, so fingers wow. crossed. Yeah. You've yeah. got Sri Lanka <laughs> in your future. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go up against 51 other women because then it's all the other first runner-ups that received a crown and title as well. And so I'll get to meet people from all over the country, which will be an incredible experience. Well, I think it's amazing that this all started out with you deciding to follow a dream and do something you had never done before and, and then make it all the way to Mrs. Utah American. And now you're going to be competing against 51 others. Uh, when 2020 began and, and maybe the night of New Year's when you were toasting and ringing in the new year, probably had no idea that eight to nine months down the road, you would be in these shoes today. No, no. And it was, it's been almost a year process planning for, for this event. I signed up in October of last year and the original date for this pageant was supposed to be in March. But as we know, March is when everything kind of went haywire 
and it was a week before the pageant that it got postponed. And so I went from a week away to being totally prepped, mentally ready, and putting the pause button on it. And then shortly after that, my husband actually then lost his job due to COVID as well. And then my children all got sent home from school. (laughs) It was a 180. Yeah. In a matter of a few weeks, our whole world was turned upside down and everything got put on pause with the pageant, everything. We went into just survival mode at that point. And I kind of got to the point where I thought, you know what, it's not going to happen this year. And, you know, you question a lot of things, you know, why did I have the feeling and the desire to compete this year only for it to be postponed or canceled and all this prep and money and time spent into it. And then we only had two weeks um, to be informed that, okay, we're going, we're doing this. You got two weeks to get re-prepped, re-mentally prepared and meet at this place at this time, we're doing this. And so it's definitely been a world when we had to change the venue. We went from supposed to be inside and a cozy air conditioned facility to being outside in 97 degree weather, completely sweating, <laughs> no air conditioning. Oh. <laughs> So, but we did it and we all, we all, we all rocked it. Yeah. So, yeah. You all did. Lots and, thrown and at us, but we all sure. handled it. So I want to pause right here and I want to go back in the past because, uh, it, I mean, it, we can see you and everyone following along here on, on YouTube can, can see how beautiful you are. But for those who are also listening, I want you to know and just understand that Rochelle's very beautiful. And, um, I, I mean, she is wearing this crown on her head and, and it might be easy for someone walking by or just glancing at the computer to say that you have it all. And, and even in hearing your story that you went from never doing this before to making it to Mrs. Utah American, that, that, well, that would be easy for someone like you. When in fact, this was actually one of the most terrifying things you've ever done, right? Yes. So take us back and, and explain and walk us through that and, and help us understand why this was so hard to do. Yeah, and isn't it so funny that we do that? We always compare ourselves to somebody else and we think, oh, that person just has it all. When in reality, oh, it's so, so not like that. So for- absolutely. Yeah, so ever since I was probably a teenager, since junior high, I really struggled with my self-esteem. I, my self-esteem was a zero. My self-worth was a zero. I didn't, I told myself I wasn't pretty. I wasn't skinny. I wasn't smart. I wasn't, you know, the popular girl. I wasn't the sporty girl. Um, And I believe that for many, many years. And I carried myself in that way where I knew and and believed that that's who I was on the inside, that I wasn't worth much. And then with having those insecurities, it led to me also having um, social anxiety as well. And social anxiety looks different on everybody. For me, um, some days I'm really good and I can handle things fine and I can talk to people and you would never know that I struggled on some level. But then there's other days where I can't handle going out and being with people. I'll get invited to an event or to a party and it's just, you know, I can't, I can't do this today because I know my anxiety will become so overwhelming. I'll just shut down. 
And in the past with that happening, you know, I know my struggles, I know where my brain's at, but a lot of times when that has happened, when I go to an event and I'm just mentally not in a good place, my anxiety has overcome me and I'm quiet and I stand offish. And then of course, what do people think? They go, man, what's, what's her problem? Well, she's what stuck up. <laughs> yeah. But why is she too good to speak yeah. to us? Why is she too good to interact? Well, in reality, it was an inner battle I was fighting with myself. And it's something I'm never going to get over. I, I have it and I've accepted it. And it's part of who I am. And yeah, there's days I really wish I didn't have it. And life would be so much easier if I didn't. But as I became a mom, and as I got older, thankfully, you know, once she hit about 30, you could kind of put a few things into perspective. And I realized, you know, how can I teach my children to be brave and to overcome their insecurities and their trials? Because they're going to have them. They're going to be there. If, if I can't teach them how to do it or do it myself and not give them a firsthand example, you know, I, my hands are tight. I need to do better. And so um, last year is when I finally decided, you know what, it's time to really get a handle on this. It's time to really push myself and expand myself. And so then I started my own business, which was very scary. But then in doing this pageant, I thought, you know, what better way to grow and stretch than to put myself in an extremely uncomfortable situation. I mean, I'd be driving for over an hour to go to these events with all the other contestants and just being so sick to my stomach and knots and anxiety and feeling sheer terror and being up the night before thinking, how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? <laughs> but, you know, realizing you're not and you're not going to, you're not going to grow and you're not going to do any better if you don't do this. So if there's some events I went to where I was a little more quiet and standoffish and I regret that a lot because I could have known these women a lot longer had I pushed myself better. But as the process went on and we got closer to the pageant, I told myself, you know what, I'm not expecting to win anything. I'm going to go into this, not expecting any kind of prize, a crown, anything. The only thing I want from this is to walk away with no regrets, to walk away and say, you know what, I really put myself out there. I accomplished something that 10 years ago, I never would have even fathomed. I would have told people, no, I don't have the guts. I don't have <laughs> the strength and I don't have the desire to do that right now. But for whatever reason this year, I felt like it was something I needed, I needed to do. And surprisingly came out with not only a crown and a sash and a title of my own, but also an award for best smile and an award for best in swimming suit, which totally blew me away, especially with my very first pageant. And as I drove home the night after the pageant, I remember thinking, man, what if I had listened to those insecurities? What if I had let those insecurities run the show instead of me running the show and me saying, no, I may have these insecurities, but I'm going to overcome them. And I, I love that. Sorry to cut you off. You're I good, you're good. through this battle of figuring out what your biggest weakness was. You decided to go out and do the complete opposite mm -hmm. to conquer. Yeah. yeah. 
can you imagine walking out on a on a stage in nothing but high heels and a swimsuit? No, especially <laughs> not after having five children. <laughs> like that's so inspiring. <laughs> and it, it was not easy. And you know, even as the pageant was going on, I was backstage and my stomach was just churning. And it was just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I yeah. can't believe I'm doing this. Why did I do this? And all these other women that were there, I competed against uh, 17 other women. And they were amazing. They, they had these incredible stories and strength and purpose and stories they wanted to tell. And, you know, of course, what do women do when we're all together in a group? You compare yourselves to each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were so many women that I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I don't even hold a candle to her or her or her. And while all of us were amazing in our own, our own way, and as I got to know these women better, majority of them, if not all of them, were there to overcome an insecurity, to overcome something they had feared or put off for years. That was their whole purpose of being there. So it was like, you know what? I am in good company because yeah. they're here to grow just like I am. Yeah. What are some of the tips you can share with others who are struggling with their self-esteem and also social, social anxiety? With self-esteem, biggest one is for me was to surround yourself with positive people. When you are surrounded by people who you don't feel good around, who don't lift you up, I mean, your circle, the people you interact with and associate with should always be cheering you on and making you feel good about who you are. You should leave their presence feeling good about yourself. And for me, that was, that was a big one to always weed out the people who I didn't feel good around, who weren't a positive influence, who um, brought me down or were negative. I needed to be around those positive, those positive people. And a big thing for me too was, you know, no one can control how you feel, but yourself. It doesn't matter what you look like, how smart you are, what people tell you or anything like that. If you don't tell yourself that you're worth it, you're never going to, you're never going to believe it. You need to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I am worth it. And start pointing out the things that you love. You know, it's really easy to look in the mirror and be like, oh, I wish this looked different. Or I wish, wish this looked different. I wish I could change this. I could be smarter, whatever. But instead, if you, you know, change it and say, oh man, I really love the color in my eyes, or I really love how I handled this situation the other day. And as you start doing that whole positive affirmation to yourself, you'll start believing it. And it's really easy to do that and to understand we're all different and we all have struggles and that's okay. Nobody's perfect. And to love even the negative, the things that maybe you do see negative things mm -hmm. about you, the things that you struggle with, you know, I, with having lots of kids, there's a lot of things that are different about me. And instead of saying, Oh, I wish I could go back when I looked different, but instead being like, Oh, you know what, this, this is my story. These things that are different about me make me unique and they add to my individual story, you know, change it up. You got, you got to do that for yourself. And if, if not you, then who? Sure. I think a lot of us, especially with um, body images um, mm -hmm. and women in particular, it's easy to look at our bodies and to put ourselves down. And it often relates back to childbirth. Uh, yeah. It can be other things. It can be eating struggles. It can be weight struggles. It can be stress 
and and we always pinpoint and find the excuse or the reason but sometimes we fail to look at it ourselves and say i am beautiful because and and then it's the the battle we overcame with weight loss it's the pain we endured for nine months in carrying a child and so i love that spin and and um, also the fact that you were able to recognize that so that you could turn that around inside mm -hmm. yeah and, and with and with social anxiety how you know the biggest things that have helped me like i said there's no cure i'm, I'm always gonna have it it's just something i'm gonna have to live with is by challenging it that's the only way you're gonna get a handle on it is yeah, recognize it, accept it, own it. Don't be in denial about it or blame other things for it. Accept it and then say, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to see if I can get a handle on it, to push myself a little bit. And in doing this pageant, I there were so many skills I learned. There were so many ways I knew how to make myself comfortable. And it's a lot of practice being around a bunch of strangers. <laughs> Sure. It prepares you for other situations when you're going to be around strangers. I mean, I had to walk in a room with five judges I had never met, no idea what was happening, and sit down and carry on a conversation with them. And it's scary and it's hard, especially for somebody like me who overthinks things or their anxiety goes to the roof. And it was hard. It was extremely hard. But you always grow during the hard situations in your life. You don't grow during the easy times. So... You mentioned another thing that was hard in the past year was that you decided to start your own business. Yes, I did. I and did. so tell us where that's at and how things are going. Yeah, so I own a professional organization business. It's called Feels Like Home. Um, I've always had a knack for organization since I was little. My mom is an incredible organizer, and she, it was just in my blood, something that was taught to me, but something I was just born with as well. So ever since I was little, I had organized friends' rooms. I'd organized my <laughs> own room. As I got older, people would ask me for help, and so I'd go and help a lot of friends um, that needed help. And one day I just thought, you know what, I'm getting to the point in my kids' lives where I can be away a little bit more. You know, they're all going to be in school. I got a little bit more free time on my hands. What's something, you know, that I could do that's different? And I thought, you know what, I'm, let's do this. Let's just try it. I mean, I thankfully have um, the choice of whether I want to work or not. Um, so it's not something that I do full time. It's something when I just have the time or when people want to hire me, it's, you know, I have that, that, um, luxury release with that. Um, and I love it. I love to go in and help people get their lives organized because it really does help you on a mental level. Um, when your surroundings are more organized, I uh, truly, truly believe that organization leads to a happy, better life for a lot of people. Um, something I'm very passionate about and I love sharing with other people. You and I've talked for a long time about getting you up to help me at my house and that still hasn't <laughs> happened, which means that my house is in a disarray. But um, for others like me who haven't had professional help, mm -hmm. um, share three tips. What are may maybe even just things that your mom did or things that you do that come natural that somebody like me would never even think of? Yeah, well, one, I think a lot of people struggle with um, that is very common is making your bed every day. A lot of people just, you know, you roll out of bed, 
and you go. And I remember even as a little girl being like, why do I got to make my bed? I'm just going to get right back in it when I get like at night, no one's going to see it kind of a thing. Um, But there's actually studies that support that when you get up and make your bed, it leads to a more productive day. It leads to a better mental health and you're more likely to accomplish more things because you get up and you accomplish that one thing. It puts your mind in that state of, okay, I've accomplished this what else can I go accomplish? And you know what better feeling than to come home and go into your room and see a beautifully made bed. It gives you a little bit of control and feeling like you accomplished something. So I always recommend to people to make your bed every day. I am not perfect at it, especially since COVID has happened because <laughs> my kids like to hunker down in my bed and watch TV. But when things are, when I have a little bit more control, I always make my bed. Another tip I always share for people is to get rid of things. Do not hold on to things because then all you're doing is just creating clutter and mess. I, at least twice a year, go through my closets, my kitchen, my cupboards, and I get rid of things. And it really is amazing how much you hold on to that you really don't need because you'll find something be like, well, eventually. I'll use that. And then, you know, five years go by and it's still there. <laughs> you true. Never true. And you mentioned and going through the kitchen and that's a good, you know, easy because you start checking dates and yes, it can be surprising how. Oh, I have felt helped many people in their homes with their pantries. And my process is I clean everything out. I'm like, okay, let's get everything out. Let's go through it. And you can't believe the amount of expired things. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, that's how it is, you know? And people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. And I'm like, don't be embarrassed. Like, that's life. That's just yeah. how it happens. It creeps so, up on us. Yeah, it creeps up on you. It's okay. That's why we're doing this, is to get all this expired stuff out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my third tip, I guess, would be to have a schedule. Mm-hmm. I Before I had children, I was not a big big into schedules. Um, but with having five children, I rely on schedules. It's the only way I can survive (laughs) with five Mm -hmm. to keep up on everything. And so I have a schedule where every day I know what I'm going to do. I know what needs to be cleaned. I know when I need to clean my sheets. I know what my kids are doing. I'll have some sort of a meal plan of what I'm going to do that night. It helps the days go on smoother. There's no, you, um, learn to step, keep up on things instead of, you know, waiting a few weeks, few weeks and you're behind on something. And then it takes you days and days to get caught up on something. If you just have a schedule and keep to it every week, your life flows a little bit simpler and better and you got get a better handle on things. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw in an extra tip that I'm super okay. passionate okay. about is put your put your bed or my heavens uh, put your house to bed. It's something I grew up doing. My mom and dad did it. I do it with my children every single night before we go to bed, we go through every room. It takes honestly 10 minutes at most every night before you go to bed, you make sure your sink is cleaned out. The dishes are put away. All the dirty clothes are put away. Any clean laundry is put away. Clean up any pillows, anything off your counter, anything like that. All the clutter of that day is put away. So then the next morning, you're waking up to a fresh start, a fresh day, and you're not dealing with yesterday's messes. And then it won't accumulate. So that's something that I I always encourage people to do as well. Put your house to bed. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're staying up on it and doing it every night, yeah. then it could be done in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah totally. 
Great. And it's all of my tips, these tips, they're free. They don't cost anything. Yeah. They're not time consuming. I mean, to make your bed takes what? A minute? Um, you know, for if you're if it's more simple, 10 minutes at night to do those kind of things, set a schedule, you know, it only takes a few minutes. So it's I try to keep those tips with my business, something that's very cost friendly and very doable for everybody. Mm -hmm. So Rochelle, for more information, where can people go? So I do have a website. It's uh feels like home.biz. Um, I have an Instagram page also called feels like home.biz and you can get on there and find my website and all my contact information and give me a follow. Um, I do in-home consultations or over the phone consultations as well. And I work out of the Northern Utah area, but um, I can help you even organize over the phone. If you live too far away, we can do um, a zoom session. So there's lots of options on there and they're all listed in my, on my website. Okay, perfect. So um, wrapping things up, you've got a big year ahead. And yeah. so what talk um, a little bit to us about your platform now as Mrs. Utah American and, and what you're going to be um, working on promoting over the next year. Yeah, so with Mrs. Utah for America, your platform is very, very important. Um, it's one of the biggest things that um, you need to put your time and effort into. And my platform was and, and is Inspire to Empower. Um, it started out being mainly based on inspiring our children and being focused on the issues that they face and being aware of what resources are available to help with any issues that our children have. Um, I did a lot of work in my kids' elementary, but as COVID hits and all the elementaries shut down, I had to shift gears a little bit and make it more broad to being as an individual, being willing to inspire and empower all everyone around you. And how we do that is being open and honest about ourselves and our struggles like I'm trying to do with my social anxiety, you know, don't hide it because you never know by sharing your story who you might inspire. And when you are, when you accept yourself and you accept all of yourself, um, it's empowering to yourself. It's, it's a feeling of incredible empowerment that you can take off that heavy backpack you've been carrying and feel free and you carry yourself differently. So it's, yes, we need to focus on our children, inspiring them, but we also need to focus on inspiring and empowering everyone around us as, as well as ourselves. It's a beautiful platform and a, a, you know, a, a big thing of what we're striving to do here yeah. with the Unalike podcast. And yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, we're grateful that you were willing to join us today and to talk a little bit about what you've been up to and, and also to be vulnerable with us and talk about the struggles you've overcome. Uh, Again, I look at you and I, I would be amazed at, to think that there was a time when you ever did struggle with some of the things we've talked about. I, I think that you have a beautiful smile and you exude confidence. So thank you. You're so sweet. Where can people go to follow you as you take on your journey over the next year? Yes, this next year is going to be awesome, and I try to keep everybody informed on what I'm doing and um, appearances, service projects, stuff like that. So on Instagram, you can follow me at Mrs. Utah American. Um, I have control of that for the next year, so you can contact me through there. I, I can do appearances, service projects, interviews, anything like that, and you can all, also follow our other queens at Miss Utah for America and Mrs. Utah for America on Instagram as well, so all three of us. Okay, awesome. before you go, okay. we have a question or two. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is, tell us about something you ate growing up that was weird 
but to you and your family was completely normal. Um, my, so when I was younger, my family struggled a lot financially. So as we got older, my mom would go and work graveyard shifts. My dad would work during the day. My mom would work in the evenings. I'm at, at the hospital up at, up at McKady. So my dad was in charge of meals some nights. <laughs> <laughs> and so with my dad not being the most incredible cook, <laughs> he would do scrambled hamburger and fried potatoes and mix it together. Okay. And the potatoes would come from a can. They weren't fresh potatoes. Oh, oh. <laughs> they were canned potatoes. <laughs> And he always burnt the hamburger, which I actually now have a taste for. I like because <laughs> I'm used to it and I like the smell <laughs> of it. And we mix it together and that was our dinner. And as a course, as I got older, I was like, I'm done. I'm so done with that. So, but it was a very normal dinner for us growing up. I love it. I love it. Just <laughs> add a little bit of ketchup. Oh, I can't do ketchup. I can't do ketchup. <laughs> I love it. Who knows? Maybe it could have made it better. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for sharing that fun bit with us. So uh, for each of you who've been watching, we're talking with Mrs. Utah for America, Rochelle Moore, and you can learn more about her over on her social media pages. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, ladies. Thanks again to Rochelle for joining us. Absolutely love talking with you and hearing your story. We know that the things that you have shared are going to touch many, and we appreciate you for being vulnerable and willing to open up about that. Before we finish today, we would like to share one more story, and this is something for all of the animal lovers out there. All right. Did you know your dog could actually have dreams about you? No. So there is a Harvard <laughs> professor that has recently come out and made a statement saying that since dogs are generally extremely attached to their human owners, sure. most likely they dream about us. Oh. How awesome is that? What is your dog dreaming about? I'm pretty sure he's probably dreaming about cuddling with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to like, to subscribe, and to comment below. We'll see you next time. Bye.